We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. My name is Patrick Moran. Thank you very much for listening, for watching, for following, for subscribing. I appreciate you all very, very much. Uh, Today is Fan Friday. And what we do on Fan Friday is I take your questions, your comments, and there's plenty of them to get to today. And kind of just let the people who listen and watch the show drive the content of this episode. Uh, I like doing these a lot. Like I said, it's interactive and it keeps people who are watching and listening involved with the show itself. Some pretty good takes today. Some pretty good questions. Some pretty good takes. Plenty of Bill stuff. Uh, some Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes stuff. Some Trey White stuff. A lot of Buffalo Sabres angst. Kind of uh, a continuation of an episode I had earlier this week. I dedicated an entire episode to discussing just how bad the Buffalo Sabres are. In fact, quite literally, the title of it was the Buffalo Sabres are the worst organization in all of pro sports. And I do not think that was an exaggeration at all. Uh, so anyway, comments on that, some fun little life stuff as well. Uh, we'll get to at the very end as well. It won't be a particularly long episode. There it is. I just curse myself. I say that shit all the time. And quite literally, it always ends up uh, being a long episode, but I'm going to do my best. Some good stuff to get to today, though. Uh, real quick, and then we're going to dive in. I think I'm going to retire the name Fan Friday soon. And the reason why is because this type of episode may not always be on Fridays. I want to do something like this once a week. I, I think it's really cool and really important, quite frankly, for people who are involved, the audience with the show, to be able to kind of ask their questions leave their comments and their takes and have them as an episode every week. The thing is, I don't know that I'm going to be doing this every Friday because when the weather gets a little bit nicer, I'm going to resume our live from Imperial series where Thursday nights, not every Thursday night, but some Thursday nights, I'm going to have uh, a guest with me and we will do it live from the pizzeria. 
And we dropped those on Friday. So I can't do Fan Friday when I have those. And I kind of want to have some consistency with this topic. So I'm going to move it to another day. Not quite sure yet. Kind of finagling uh, some schedule possibilities. And don't even know what I'm going to call it. Obviously, it won't be Fan Friday. In fact, if any of you who are listening or watching this show, you got some cool suggestions for a name for this type of theme, this type of show, please, man, let me know. Let me know. I'm jealous of some of the other shows in and uh, websites out there, some of the like mailbag style uh, names that they have. My man, Joe Marino from Lockdown Bills, he has something similar, although it's all Buffalo Bills talk, driven by fans, but he calls it herd mentality. He does that every week um, on the writing side, not the podcast side, but Tim Grant from The Athletic. When he does a mailbag, it's called uh, The Satchel. I just like something different, creative, and original. So if you have any titles, you want to recommend to me, please, like I said, uh, send them to me. I'll certainly uh, consider it. One last thing, too. I want to thank everybody. And I, and I sincerely mean this from the bottom of my heart. Um, I, and we talked about this on the podcasters roundtable that I had earlier this week with, with Greg Thompson and Bruce Nolan and Joe Marino. I tend at times to get too high. And this is how I struggle with, like too high when things are going well with the podcast too low when things are not going good with the podcast. You know, you put in the same effort, the, the same amount of work almost all the time. And the variance of rewards that you get from it, it's just, it's so night and day. You know, there's a lot of episodes where I really like it. I'm like, the guests was great. The topics were great. The conversation was great. Then you look at the numbers and they suck. And you kind of have those streaks. And then sometimes you do the same thing, the same work, or maybe you put something out, you don't think it's going to do well in it, and it hits, it pops, it resonates with the audience. Um, I track numbers. I, I, you know, I track where this show does, how it does in relation to, say, other shows around here and just other sports and, and football podcasts out there. And it's relatively often that Talking Buffalo will chart on the Apple uh, podcast charts, but usually it's in other countries, which is really weird. Don't get me wrong. I really appreciate it, but it's really weird. Like constantly talking Buffalo somewhere in the top 200, 250, like in Australia or Ireland, sometimes Canada, Mexico, sometimes some countries I, I never even thought in a million years would even listen to this show, like Venezuela, stuff like that. So that's really cool. But anyway, this past week, uh, talking Buffalo has actually been in the top 200 in the United States. Um, sports podcast, football category, all podcasts. And there's like tens. That's a good accomplishment. There's like tens and thousands, tens of thousands of sports podcasts out there. So to be ranked for three consecutive days um, in the United States on the Apple podcast football charts, it's really, uh, man, I'm so, I'm so gracious and, uh, and I just have so much gratitude to all you. So thank you very much. All right, enough with this bullshit. Let's dive into these questions and comments, I'm going to read them all word for word. And then some of them kind of require an answer. Some of them really uh, not so much. Let's get cooking here. At Mr. NTM 1081 says, if you wouldn't trade Patrick Mahomes or if you wouldn't trade for Patrick Mahomes and you're just wrong, doesn't take, doesn't make you a bad Bills fan to want the greatest quarterback of all time. All right. For a little bit of clarity here, not this week, but last week, Anthony Marino and I 
um, had an episode and we were talking about some of the stuff that went wrong for the Bills and star players who are not the quarterback for the respective teams, not playing like star players. Reasons why the Bills cannot get over the hump against the Kansas City Chiefs. And both Anthony and myself said, if I'm the Buffalo Bills, if I'm Brandon Bean, I'm not trading Josh Allen for any quarterback in the NFL or any player in the NFL, including Pat Mahomes. Conversely, if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs, I am certainly not trading Patrick Mahomes for Josh Allen or any quarterback or any player in the entire NFL. That was not made with any malice. That was not you know, intended to have any disrespect for Patrick Mahomes whatsoever. So I want to put it out there. We said it going both ways. Um, I, Josh Allen is the greatest physical quarterback. He has the greatest set of physical skills, tools that I've ever seen in my life, ever. So I don't think it's outlandish to say I'm not trading Josh Allen if I'm Brandon Bean for anybody, including Patrick Mahomes. I'm just not. And you can't say, you know, the Chiefs own the Bills in the playoffs now. They're 3-0 against the Bills in the playoffs during this generation, during this era. But I'm certainly not going to put that on Josh Allen, especially the last two times they've played. Josh Allen has played great against the Kansas City Chiefs. 16 touchdowns, just three interceptions, 20 total touchdowns against the Chiefs. He's not the reason why the Bills can't get over the hump. There's lots of reasons, and we talked about them. Kind of ad nauseum. I'm not going to run through all of them again and, and dive into them, but injuries have played a role for sure for the Bills. And coaching has played a role for the Bills for sure. And guys not stepping up. Star players who've been your star players in the regular season fading away and fizzling in the playoffs. That's been the biggest reason why the Bills can't get over to Kansas City hump. Not because of Josh Allen. And again, that's no disrespect whatsoever to Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, at this point, is probably on the fast track to being regarded as the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL. He's going to be right up there with Tom Brady when it's all said and done. Certainly feels that way right now. And he's not a, a system quarterback either. It's not like he's fucking Brock Purdy there in Kansas City. I mean, the guy makes Superman plays on a regular basis just as much as Josh Allen, maybe a little bit in different ways, but Patrick Mahomes is absolutely unbelievable. That said, I'm still not trading Josh Allen for him. Put it this way, and this is an honest question, and this isn't just for Sabres fans, because by the way, when this video went up last week on YouTube, there were a lot of Kansas City Chiefs fans who commented. Most of them had takes. A couple people had questions. This is an honestly odd question that I want to ask, not just Bills fans, because I think I know what the answer is going to be but Kansas City Chiefs fans as well. If you did trade Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen all the way back in, let's just say, 2019, same coach that the Chiefs have right now, the same defense they had this year, this Tyreek Hill for part of Pat Mahomes' run. You have Andy Reid throughout. Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator until this past year. All that stuff that you have with Kansas City, the only thing different you do is you flop Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, would Josh Allen have multiple Super Bowl rings right now? My honest-to-God, unemotional, objective, unbiased answer is yes. I think if you took Josh Allen 
and putting him on the Kansas City Chiefs, I think Josh Allen has multiple Super Bowls. And I know some people will say, well, the Chiefs were so good, you could probably do that with five to ten quarterbacks and say that had multiple Super Bowls. Bullshit. Don't think so. Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes are a lot alike. There's not other quarterbacks that are like them. Joe Burrow, maybe I could see him winning a Super Bowl or two with the Kansas City Chiefs. An elite passer, great quarterback, but he doesn't have those physical traits that Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen do. Anyway, I know I'm being long-winded here, but my whole point is this. I meant what I said, and it was not disrespect to Pat Mahomes, and it was not disrespect to Kansas City Chiefs. I just think Josh Allen is every bit as good as Pat Mahomes. I think Pat Mahomes has just been put in a better situation to win championships than Josh Allen. Uh, Craig Davis, 1808, says Patrick Mahomes is great. Much respect to him and the Chiefs organization. But Josh Allen is better than Pat Mahomes. I believe where Mahomes gets the best of the bills is coaching and players, not name Mahomes, making plays when it matters most. Um, it could be both. You know, other factors around Mahomes certainly matter. And we talked about it again. I just said it a minute ago. Stephon Diggs, Ed Oliver, a lot of the Buffalo Bills' best players, Micah Hyde this past year, disappearing acts in the playoffs, or at least when they played the Kansas City Chiefs. Where are the Bills' star players who are not named Josh Allen? Meanwhile, Chris Jones making huge plays at the end of the game. Travis Kelsey making huge plays throughout the game. That matters. Coaching matters too. And I'm not a Sean McDermott hater. Just Andy Reid is Andy Reid. So those factors certainly matter. That said, let's be a little bit careful here because again, more the more we talk about things and, and phrase them and frame them that way, it makes it sound like we're saying Pat Mahomes is just the beneficiary of playing for Andy Reid and a great defense and Tyree Kill for half his career and just, you know, nonstop weapons and, and offensive uh, visionary. That's not true entire. Well, it is true, but it doesn't matter because Pat Mahomes is absolutely elite. He does things that no one else can do except for Josh Allen. <laughs> At Ring of Eden says, didn't it take eight years for Peyton Manning to win a Super Bowl? Actually, I think it took him nine. And Peyton Manning is like the ultimate anomaly uh, when it comes to that. He, he's an outlier. Unless, unless my research is wrong, and, I, and I'm pretty sure I, I've done it thoroughly, so I don't think I'm wrong. The only other quarterback besides Peyton Manning to win a Super Bowl, his first Super Bowl, after being more than six years as a starting quarterback, is Jim Plunkett. Jim Plunkett won uh, a Super Bowl with the Raiders in his seventh year as a starter. So Peyton is either eighth or ninth. I think it's ninth. Jim Plunkett, seventh. And to my knowledge, if I'm wrong, let me know, folks. But that's the list right there. Guys, years as a starter winning their first Super Bowl. Uh, through my research, I, I know that Steve Young and Trent Dilfer and Doug Williams all won their first Super Bowl in past their sixth year. But it was their sixth year as a starter. And this obviously is going to be Josh Allen. 2024 is going to be his seventh season. So if he's going to win a Super Bowl, his first Super Bowl, obviously, he's going to do something that only Jim Plunkett and Peyton Manning have done to uh, to my recollection anyway. Not to say it can't be done, because again, the first thing I said once we got into these comments and takes today, 
is that I think Josh Allen is the greatest physical quarterback who has ever played in the NFL. So I'm certainly, you know, there's not a lot of guys out there who are capable of being anomalies, but I truly honestly think that Josh Allen can be one of them. Uh, a long one here, but a good one. Growing up at Growing Up Buffalo says, I think Bean did a very good job overall, but one area, wide receiver, was a complete failure that doesn't get enough criticism. The Bills knew after the crushing loss against Cincinnati, they needed to improve at wide receiver. His plan was to double down on Davis, draft Dalton Kincaid to play a hybrid role, and hope that career special teams players and Deontay Hardy and Trent Sherfield could be helpful role players in the passing game. Aside from Kincaid, who did help, but not in the two tight end scheme, which they envisioned, these moves were all failures. Now the biggest need in 2024 is, again, wide receiver, which was painfully obvious in another playoff loss. Bean deserves credit for some good roster moves, but the biggest deficiency at wide receiver came back to bite this team in the ass. Good take. Really good take. And I don't think it's wrong either. I think last year after Cincinnati, going into the season, um, I thought Gabe Davis, or I'm not, not just me. I, well, I did. You did too. But the Buffalo Bills specifically, I think they thought that Gabe Davis was really going to emerge and break out. This was going to be a big year for him. Uh, they made him a captain of the team. So certainly the expectations were there for Gabe Davis. Probably, I would say, minimum flirting with a thousand yards receiving. That's that's what the expectation I think was going into the season for Gabe Davis. You had Stefan Diggs coming off three straight hundred yard uh, reception seasons going into his fourth this year with Gabe Davis, potentially a thousand yard receiver. And you use your first round pick on a tight end. Those are your weapons. That's what you expected to be your weapons, you know, primarily going into the season. So yeah, I think that Brandon being expecting more from Gabe Davis. Um, I certainly think that he expected more from Deontay Hardy and Trent Sherfield. I mean, Deontay Hardy was an early kind of almost like priority free agent, uh, unrestricted free agent signing just didn't work out barely a blip on the radar for the bills. Uh, this past season, Trent Sherfield was the guy that I was really excited about. I could sit here and lie. I was excited when the bills signed him. I was excited about the bill signing him as Tyreek Hill was mad that Miami lost him. If you remember when um, Trent signed with the Bills, Tyreek Hill tweeted about it. He was not happy. He was upset that he went to Buffalo. But it just never, never materialized. He didn't do anything during the season. With the exception, let's be careful here, he did have a big catch, a tough catch on a tip ball. Great focus to keep his feet in bounds, come down with the ball in Miami in the regular season finale, which helped the Bills win a division title. So that play was big. But you take that moment, that play away, and Trent Sherfield was a zero factor. In fact, he was a, a tomato can against the Kansas City Chiefs. He killed the Bills. Not one, but two, two drops on long passes that both hit him in his hands. Just inexcusable uh, to drop the ball. In fact, before that game, I would have said, yeah, you know what? If he's willing to be that fourth receiver again, special teams guy, guy who could block, I'm all for bringing Trent Sherfield back. But you got to have accountability. And Trent Sherfield played a significant role in the Bills' offense, not executing the best they could have 
against the Kansas City Chiefs, man. He had two big drops. You gotta, you gotta hold the guy accountable. Um, I, I think a, a stronger investment this time around is going to be necessary. My vision for the Bills, and we'll talk about this more in the coming episodes here. Got a few, you know, a handful of weeks before the draft or free agency starts, stuff like that. But I can see the Bills getting through free, let's start with free agency. They're not going to spend big money. They're not bringing Gabe Davis back. Gabe's going to go get paid somewhere. And I don't think the Bills can. And I don't think the Bills should pay Gabe Davis 12, 13, 15 million dollars, or maybe even more in the open market. Good luck if you could get that, Gabe. I could see the Bills going out and trying to get a guy who can be, you know, ideally a fourth receiver, but a guy who, when called upon, like Trent Sherfield, was supposed to be like this season against the Chiefs in the playoffs. A guy, if you need him to step up, he's done it before. Um, depending on money, off the top of my head, a guy like maybe Josh Reynolds from the Detroit Lions, he pops into my mind, although he had a couple of big drops against Frisco. But still, he's a good player. Uh, he had a good season. Uh, Kendrick Bourne coming off a, an ACL. I don't know if you want to have another guy with an ACL history, but he was a really good receiver. You could probably get him really cheap. Don't know if you'll have him for the start of the season or not. But a guy like that, a guy who could, you know, ideally be your your fourth receiver, but somebody who can get meaningful snaps. And if he needs to, if Stephon goes down, another guy goes down, he could step in and he could be a guy that you uh that you could trust to make plays. By the way, I had a brain fart. Noah Brown from Houston. That's like quite literally my top um free agent target. That's my number one priority if I'm the Buffalo Bills. Any position, any player, Noah Brown. Now, I'm not saying he's the best receiver in the free agent class. I'm saying I think he's the best receiver in a price range and a skill set that could really benefit the Buffalo Bills and that Brandon Bean might be able to swing. So Noah Brown is definitely a guy I'm going to have my eyes on. But regardless of what they do in free agency, they're going to take a receiver early in the draft. They have to. They have to. Um, a first round pick is not a guarantee though. The bills are really thin at defensive end. And I could absolutely see if the right one falls there, Brandon being taken at defensive end. He's not going to take a wide receiver just to take a wide receiver. To some extent, I think they fell for that a couple of years ago when they took Kyrie Lum right after Trent McDuffie went off the board because they needed a corner. And ended up getting Christian Benford five rounds later anyway. I don't think Brandon Bean's going to do that. He's not going to take a wide receiver if it's not a guy that he thinks is going to help this team. And we're going to get more specific players a little bit down the road. But sure, they, they have to address wide receiver this time. And I'll tell you, it's a good point that, um, that growing up Buffalo made because the Bills, wide receiver hurt them against the Bengals, and it's something they wanted to improve on this offseason, but they didn't. Anyway, real quick break. Come back, and we'll fly through more of these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, I'm back here on our Fan Friday Again, if you are uh, watching this on the video side, please make sure that you like, comment, subscribe. It really helps us continue to grow here on the video side. And of course, if you're listening and haven't done so already, please make sure that you are following on either Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, all right, let's go. At Puckhead 1221, Benford and Shakir were the best built players other than Allen, and they only make $1 million each. LOL. Um, if you're talking about the playoffs, I, I I think this was designed to be the playoffs. Yeah. Which, you know, I've talked about this a few times now. This has been their biggest problem in the postseason. Star players disappearing. If I would have told you before the playoffs, the Bills are going to go far. You would have said, well, yeah, sure. Josh is going to play great. Stefan Diggs is going to make big plays. Ed Oliver is going to have a big sack. Vaughn Miller is going to make a big play. Greg Rizzo is going to have a big play. Micah Hyde's going to get an interception. Rasul Douglas will find a way to get a pick, an impactful play. Stuff like that. None of that happened in the playoffs. None of it. None of that. Khalil Shakir was fantastic. I'll tell you, Khalil Shakir is one of the, the gems from the 2023 season. Imagine if Khalil Shakir didn't emerge in the second half of the year. Where the Bills would be at with wide receiver right now? Let's just say. Khalil Shakir was hobbled by a bad ankle and he didn't do shit this season. Let's just, for the sake of discussion, pretend that was the case. Now you're looking at Stefan Diggs, who production dipped. I mean, it fell off a cliff over the second half of the season and went into the playoffs as well. A guy who has a big contract, a guy where there, you know, has been a lightning rod, whether it's his, um, his fault or not, and pretty much none of it is. But still, a, a lightning rod for criticism and guessing and speculation right now. But you got him a year older, whose production dipped. And then you got Gabe Davis, who's a free agent, 
you're probably still not going to overpay for him. And then you got Khalil Shakir, who would have been coming off a meh 2023 season. Bills would be in a lot of trouble, wide receiver. Now you'd be forcing the issue. Now you'd have to overpay, probably, which you don't, Brandon Bean doesn't want to do, but you probably have to overpay to go get a quality wide receiver in free agency at the expense. Because if you're going to overpay there, you're going to be short in other areas of this team. You're going to neglect other parts and then still have to use a very high pick in the draft. And I know what I just said is music to a lot of people's ears. They still want that to happen anyway, even with Khalil, Khalil Shakir being good. I get that. But my point is the wide receiver position is a lot better offered to Buffalo Bills because of what Khalil Shakir was able to do. Uh, Christian Benford, ditto. But again, if you're talking about the playoffs, um, Christian Benford didn't even play against the Chiefs. He got hurt early in the Pittsburgh game, which mattered. So, I mean, I'll, I'll buy that point because it mattered. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I agree with you that Khalil Shakir and Christian Benford were two of the better players on the team, two of the cheaper players on the team. And you can add Jarrell Bernard in there as well, of course. And uh, it's good and bad. It's good because it shows that Brandon Bean is drafting and developing good young players. It's bad because the guys that you're paying big money to, your star players, the guys you're using first-round picks for, the guys you're trading first-round picks for, the guys you're making priority free agents aren't getting the job done when the stage is the biggest. No question about that. Just good, 54-10. If you keep Trey White, you have to keep Rasul Douglas. Um, <laughs> I find it hard to see a path for Trey White to be on the Bills in 2024, primarily because of a guy that we just mentioned, um, Christian Benford. Christian Benford is a good starting corner right now. And you got him for just a million dollars and he's got two more years left on his rookie deal. Rasul Douglas, you said, um, the commenter said, if you keep Trey, you have to keep Douglas. They're keeping Douglas anyway. Rasul Douglas is due $9 million, which for a, a CB1 is pretty cheap, especially for a veteran who's not under a rookie contract. You got him for another year. You can, in fact... You might extend him. I would extend him. So I don't know how Rasul Douglas factors into to what happens with Trey White, unless you're suggesting that if Trey, well, actually, you, you suggested if Trey stays, so does Rasul. Rasul ain't going nowhere. Christian Benford ain't going nowhere. If I'm a if I'm a Trey White fan, I'm worried about it. A couple more. I'm going to keep going because I got a couple more kind of related to this. At Bills Electric says. In my opinion, fans have to stop looking at Christian Benford as a six-round pick. If it said second-round pick on the back of his jersey, fans would have him locked in as the number one corner. He played better than Rasul Douglas this season. Benford missed one tackle all year. As for Trey White, Brandon and Sean are probably going to keep him and wait how he sees or how he performs in training camp in preseason. Um, okay, it's pretty strong takes here, pretty layered as well. Uh, and I don't think it matters if Christian Benford is a second-round pick, a sixth-round pick, a seventh-round pick. The only reason it matters is actually because of salary. Because of the fact that he is a sixth-rounder and not a first-rounder, his salary cap number is significantly lower right now um, for the Buffalo Bills. I thought he played very well. Same as you. Underrated player for sure. Steady, reliable. Nothing elite. No, no Nothing fancy. But didn't get burned. Did not miss tackles, which you did point out accurately there. To say he was better than Rasul Douglas, though, that I don't buy. Rasul Douglas played 
incredibly well coming from the Buffalo Bills midseason uh, via trade. Russell Douglas played really well. And it's okay. I, I'm not saying Christian Bedford didn't play well. I just don't think he played better uh, than Rasul. Your last point, as for Trey, Brandon and Sean are probably going to keep him and see how he performs in camp in the preseason. Here's my thing. For Trey White to stay with the Buffalo Bills, and I prematurely last week, I think I said it was a lock that the Bills were going to cut Trey White. I got to look into it because I thought I knew the answer for sure, but now I don't. I don't know that the Bills can cut Trey White as long as he's injured. So I don't know how that's going to work. But regardless of whether it's tomorrow, regardless of whether it's at June 1st, five minutes into June 1st, if it's 12.05 a.m. on June 1st, regardless of when it is, training camp, the preseason, where is the realistic path to Trey White being on this team when you factor in money? What you have to do, you factor in money and salary cap and injury history. Where's the path to Trey White being on this football team in September in week one? Because for that to happen, I mean, I shouldn't say there's no path. I want to be clear about that. But for Trey White to be a Buffalo Bill week one of the 2024 season, he's either, there's going to have to be an injury to either Russell Douglas or Christian Benford. I mean, that's obvious, a, a significant injury that one of those guys can't start the season. Or Trey White's got to come out this summer and look head and shoulders better than Christian Benford. And if Trey White's making between somewhere, I don't know, I have the numbers in front of me, 12, 13, 16 million dollars, I think it's, it might be. He better be 10 times better than Christian Benford because he's literally making more than 10 times the money that Christian Benford is making. I just don't see it coming off two major injuries and liking Christian Benford. Just not seeing it, man. I'm just not seeing it. Um, I, I hope Trey White gets all the way back. I love Trey White. Trey White's a, a great person. And he's a hell of a football player. But cap, salary, injury history, and the Bills being pretty stacked right now at corners one and two at a pretty reasonable price. And you got Rasul and Christian Bedford under contract next year, right now, for around $10 million. Both of them combined cost less than Trey White. So I don't see it happening. You ain't moving Christian Benford to safety. I know that was a talk last year, and it made sense last year. But after seeing him play corner this year and how he performed, I don't think you're moving him to safety. And I sure as hell don't think you're moving Trey White to safety. So I, I still think the path for Trey White making this football team this year is pretty uh, pretty narrow. All right, let's fly along here. Uh, Julia the Mafia, babe. Unpopular opinion. Mock drafts are a waste of time. Going back and forth. With who you draft and trade for doesn't mean anything. You have no say in what's going to happen. Don't get mad that I said this. It's my unpopular opinion that I've always had. Um, eh. Look, mock drafts end up being inaccurate. Everybody's mock draft. One thing happens and it gets completely blown to shit, whether it's a trade, whether it's a guy that everybody had is in somewhere in the third round, ends up going in the first round. A guy who's a top 10 pick falls out of the top 40. That shit happens each and every single year. So in terms of accuracy, in terms of if I put out a mock draft right now with the Bills and you put stock into it happening, yes, that's ludicrous. That's just silly. 
I get that. But I've maintained this, and I've done these for the last few years with, with Aaron Quinn uh, from Cover One here on this show. You learn a lot. It is a great chance to really dive into a, a bunch of positions and a bunch of prospects at them. You're, you're trying to figure out who's going to be a good fit. If you're a casual to relatively hardcore fan, you're watching YouTube clips of players because you see them being talked about on shows or written about in outlets or tweeted about. You're watching their their YouTube highlights. You're you're digging in the, the draft prospect profiles, stuff like that. You're learning a lot about some of these youngsters that are coming in the league because of mock drafts, and largely because of mock drafts. Plus, quite frankly, it's a hell of a time killer. You know, it's kind of a pattern. Right now, you talk about, well, who's the team going to keep? Who are they going to let walk into free agency? Then you get the free agency and what players are going to sign, where are the fits, this and that. And then it's all aboard the mock draft train. Great time filler, great discussion, great topics. So I don't agree that they're a waste of time. I do agree that they're a waste if you're checking them for, for accuracy, if that makes sense. Uh, at David Walsh, 888. All right, time to switch gears here. Sabres angst on its way. The Sabres problem is Granado. He is not ready to be a head coach in the NHL. And this young team needs a veterinarian coach to instill butter fundamentals and discipline. By the way, I did not read that wrong. I did not stutter over my words. That was what was written. Veterinarian. Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, good point to overall. It's about the Sabres problem being Granado. He's had three and a half seasons now to be, you know, as head coach of this team. And as we record this right now, I know what they did last year. I get it. But as we record this right now, late February 2024, the Buffalo Sabres are no closer today to being a playoff team than they were when Don Granado took over. Um, Don Granado certainly appears to be a, a good developmental guy. Um, but it feels like they've gotten to a point now and they're just, they've hit the wall. They've hit a wall. And this whole season, there's just so many maddening things about this hockey team. How many nights, especially at home, how many nights do they come out completely sleepwalking? They fall down multiple goals in the first period. That's had to have happened minimum 15, 16, 17 times already this season. The Sabres have fallen into a, a two or more goal deficit before they even get to the locker room at the end of the first period. How many times this year at home? Had the Sabres went more than half of a game without even scoring a goal or at the most one. That's coaching, man. It's got to be to some extent, at least. It's on the players, too. But it's got to be coaching to some extent. This team is not coming out ready to play good hockey. How many times in a locker room after the game have we talked about, or you've seen players, I should say, talking about they need to have more grit. They need to play with more guts. They need to be tougher. They were just playing soft. I know players have called themselves soft this year. I know I've heard that from players. To some extent, it's just too many factors, too many things for coaching to not be a significant part of the problem. Uh, at Johnny Snyder, I gave up. I barely even score check anymore. They have made it very clear. They do not care, so why should I care? All right, an exaggeration that they don't care. I'm sure they care. But to be fair to Johnny here, um, some nights when you watch these games, it play, they play like they don't care. 
It certainly appears to be that way, doesn't it? And you get mad at yourself. How did I just spend two and a half hours watching this fucking hockey team go out there and literally like through or look like they were uh like they were going through the motions? Just it's maddening. It's frustrating. At resplendent Dave seven three three five, the Saber situation is much worse when you realize that during the drought. They face their opponent's backup goalie probably 80% of the time. So disheartening. Again, 80% definitely an exaggeration here, but it does happen a lot. I've noticed it. Lots of times the Buffalo Sabres take the ice and they're playing against backup goalies. And when it happens that enough, or you know, when it happens uh that often, I should say, it's starting to feel like the other team is almost treating it like a, a semi-night off when they line up against the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, a couple more here, a handful more. At Western New York Sport, the fish rots from the head down. Terry Bagula to Kevin Adams to Don Granado. Really don't have much to add to that. Um, I, I think it's more than the organization. I'll say that much. I think the Sabres' biggest issues have been organizationally, maybe more so than the players, at least since the 20-teens. Um, Mike Harrington from the Buffalo News talks about this all the time and gets angry, legitimately angry too, not no bullshit playing for the crowd angry, like legit angry when people talk about the Sabres tanking and it being successful then or that the Sabres should lose some games now at the end of the year so they get a better pick. I think tanking, and maybe at the time too, by the way, I was kind of pro-tank. In fact, not kind of, I was pro-tank. No question about it. I want to count him for David. I ain't going to lie to you. But that tank... The tank didn't work. The tank did not work. It feels like a, a losing culture mentality was instilled in this franchise that I feel like they've never really uh, recovered from. But anyway, to your point, I think it's more organizational than players. I think there's been enough talent here coming through Buffalo over the last 8, 10, 12 or so years that the Sabres should at least made the playoffs a couple times along the way. Triple A, 17, 8, 9. The Sabres must be a write-off. All they hired were an inexperienced coaches and GMs. Look at the Bills with an experienced staff. Pagula broke down in tears numerous times when he and his wife Kim were formally introduced as the Bills' co-owners. Pagula, while sitting with the Sabres alumni, started to cry and said, starting today, the Buffalo Sabres' existence is to win a Stanley Cup. The fans are in tears of sadness. Starting today, Pagula said, there will be no financial mandates on the Buffalo Sabres hockey department in their effort to fulfill his dream of winning multiple Stanley Cups. I, I, there's a lot of quotes in this question, so I don't even know. Some of these aren't even directly from Terry. It's whoever said this, having their own quotes here. There was no salary cap in the National Hockey League on scouting budgets and player developmental budgets. What happened to that? All right, clearly that guy was paraphrasing, but the point was Terry Bagula did say, you know, the, the sole existence of the Buffalo Sabres going forward to win a Stanley Cup and that money was not going to be an issue. Um, I think he said he would even drill another well or something like that along those lines. I was actually at that press conference, by the by the way, at the arena, um, covering it for a media outlet when it happened. But anyway, I don't think the problem is Terry Begula's lack to, uh, or his commitment to, to being able to spend some money. I think the problem with Terry Begula on the hockey side has been just straight up a lack of good decisions. And, it you know we 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 talk about this a lot we hear about it a lot 
just imagine what, how Terry Bagula would be regarded if Sean McDermott didn't come along. If the Bills did not hire Sean McDermott, if they did not go with Sean McDermott, who brought in Brandon Bean with him, if they want another direction and the Bills were in a 17-year playoff drop before that, we're still slogging in the mud right now. What would we think about Terry Bagula if both the Bills and the Sabres suck? Scary as hell. All right, handful of uh, non-sports questions here. Emily Scott, a song that reminds you of high school. Um, I thought about this. This is a great question. In fact, I put this on my Facebook to get answers from some of my buddies. I went with uh, It Takes Two by Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock. Went to school, high school, very late 80s. And that was just a jam. Everybody was into that. It was so fresh, so new. Hip hop, it wasn't new, but it was just starting to become more mainstream in the mid uh, to late 80s. Certainly was not the juggernaut that it is right now. Uh, honorable mention, by the way, Make It Last Forever. My man, Keith Sweat, that was our high school prom theme. So I consider that one. But yeah, It Takes Two by, uh, by Rob Bass for sure. Bernie. Some things you wish you had more time for or did differently. Two things come to mind. Fantasy baseball and getting into college base, uh, basketball. Growing up as a kid, I was obsessed with college basketball. Absolutely loved it. I probably, not probably, I knew way more about the NCAA college hoops than I did the NBA as a, uh, a young teen anyway. Those Big East days of the 80s, I just, I, I watched every single game that I could get my eyes on. Literally, every game that I could possibly watch. I don't watch any college basketball anymore. I, honest to God, I couldn't name four players right now in men's college basketball. Honest to God, really couldn't. Don't watch it anymore. I, you said do things differently. I still wish I at least had a passing interest in college hoops. I just don't. I don't have the time or the, uh, the energy for, and plus I hate with college basketball players come for one year and then they bounce. So you don't really get to follow pro, you know, programs just retool every single year. And I hate that. Um, fantasy baseball. I love fantasy baseball, but it has been probably, if I had to say one thing that I've always enjoyed doing as a hobby has suffered because of doing this podcast, especially doing it every weekday now, five days a week is fantasy baseball. I did the math. To do this show five days a week, start to finish, notes, research, recording, editing, processing, getting it up, promoting, yada, 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 probably between 17 to 18 hours per week, I, um, I do this podcast when it's all said and done. That used to be time that I would have on fantasy baseball. I'd spend an hour to two hours every single day. I used to know every lineup. I knew stats. I knew prospects. I knew rosters for every team. I knew weather that would be coming up in games. Now. I draft a team. Uh, I look to see if they're starting that day, and that's it. I couldn't tell you 20 young stars in the major leagues right now. And that, I, you know, I really don't care about college basketball, but not being more locked into baseball, more specifically uh, fantasy baseball, that really bothers me. My man, Tone Pucks, who does the show with me often here, he, uh, he lets me know about that shit all the time. Two more here. Are you going to do a cruise review? Yes, and soon. Uh, not sure if it'll be an entire podcast episode. Uh, maybe it'll just be a podcast segment, or maybe it won't even be on the podcast at all. Maybe it'll be a uh, a YouTube exclusive video. Because I am going to start doing some stuff on the uh, 
on the video side only. So, which again, even if you are following the show on the audio side, make sure that you are subscribed on the video side because I am going to start doing some video only exclusives about things primarily that maybe wouldn't fit for a podcast, like some wrestling stuff. Like I said, TV show reviews, movie reviews, maybe uh, a cruise review because I am going to do one in soon. It was uh, an interesting experience. First cruise I've ever been on. Uh, last question. Thank you for the podcast's roundtable with Greg, Joe, and Bruce. I learned a lot. Uh, thank you. And that was Greg, by the way. Me too. So thank you. Um, I learned a lot about those three guys and I've had them on four straight years. Plus I've gotten to know them through the years. They've been on the show individually. I've talked to them more times than I could count, but still I learned, I learned some stuff about them as well. I learned that Bruce Nolan does not care about SEO and numbers and stuff. Bruce does his podcast literally because he still enjoys it. It, it stimulates him. So that's why Bruce does the podcast. Um, Greg would cover one. I learned how much he's in on the business side of the cover one brand because they are a brand. You know, it's podcasting, it's videos, it's, co it's premium content. I mean, those guys, and they're deep. They do a lot of shit. If you like film stuff, and if you like especially draft stuff, they're the place to be. But anyway, I never realized how much on the business side of things Greg has taken on a role with that. And then the thing about Joe Marino with lockdown bills here as we wrap up. Joe still gets nervous. He said he still gets nervous every single time before he tapes an episode, which I kind of find that nuts. Joe is arguably the most popular Buffalo Bills podcaster in the game today. Um, Locked on Bills. You know, I said at the beginning of the show, I was so happy and excited to be on, uh, in the, on the charts in the United States three straight days. Dude, Joe's a fixture on those charts. Joe is like up on the charts too. Like he's often like top 20 to 50 in the entire country when it comes to football podcasts. And he's got a great following. He's very popular, but he still gets nervous. He said that before every single show. Like even I don't get nervous like that often anymore, but he still does. Anyway, just a, a lot of stuff that I learned from them. Um, on that note, that's going to do it for today. As usual, this point of the podcast, when I'm blabbing for 40, 45 minutes nonstop, I'm pretty much losing my voice. Maybe at some point I'll learn to pace myself a little bit more, take a, a swig of water or whatever uh, throughout the show. But thank you. Very much. I, I really do appreciate it. I, I appreciate all you guys very much. One more time. If you haven't subscribed, please make sure you do. Apple, Spotify, on the audio side, YouTube, on the video side. Have a great weekend. Uh, got a big week coming up next week. We are really going to dive into more Buffalo Bills and uh, free agency stuff. In fact, I know we're doing one episode where we're go doing nothing but wide receivers because I know that's what everybody, uh, Bills fans anyway, want to hear about. Have a good weekend. Talk to you Monday.